0: News, 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 New York City,
1: FAQ NYC podcast getting more and more interesting by the minute, FAQ.
0: Hello, welcome to FAQ NYC. I'm your producer, Alex Brooklyn, here with Harry Siegel and November's GOP Manhattan DA candidate, Thomas Kenneth. As we gear up for the June 22nd primary, we've had all eight Democratic candidates come on the show. We've had a great episode with Rachel Holliday-Smith where she kind of outlines the field to get us ready to make our choices for the election, both the primary and the general. We decided to have Thomas on even before the Democratic primary in June to get a real sense of some of the debate that's going to be facing prosecutors, not just in Manhattan, but in this entire city in the upcoming years. Harry?
1: Thanks again for joining us and taking the time. It's real crowded on the Democratic side of the field, which makes sense because Manhattan is real crowded with Democrats. So tell me why, please, you want to put in the uh, the time and the energy and the work to, uh, to mount a Republican campaign and what it is you're running to do with the uh, district attorney's office. I appreciate you posing the question that
2: way because it really it, it, it really does play into my decision. I mean, I don't. Yes, I'm running as a Republican. I make no apologies for that. But I don't really look at this as simply a Republican campaign. You know, I've been practicing law for over two decades, um, both as a former prosecutor, as a uh, active duty JAG in the army. Service in the National Guard and, and for the longest period of time as a criminal defense attorney. I, I really never had any political ambitions. What motivated me to get in this race was one, seeing what is happening on a street level in New York City, um, two, seeing what's happening happening in the courtrooms throughout East New York City that I'm, I'm in traditionally every day, nowadays in a virtual sense mostly, but I'm there. And, and thirdly, uh, seeing that there really was not any alternate narrative uh, being presented uh, by the eight candidates that are running for uh, district attorney. Um, You know, I I was shocked just watching that debate last week to hear nearly all of them, not only not saying anything about rolling back or reforming bail reform, but but actually coming out and wanting to double down on it uh, and eliminate cash bail completely at a time when I don't think it's hyperbolic to say um, that that the city literally and figuratively is bleeding out when it comes to crime and criminal offenses. So you know, my motivation is that, first of all, I see no glory in this. I never aspired to be district attorney, never aspired to be in politics. Um, I, I do have a robust criminal defense practice and, and frankly, a, a pretty happy private life. But the opportunity was there and I felt that someone needed to step up and,
1: and that's why I'm here. So. Reading uh, reading your website, going through your your, your issues pages and so on, um, one thing that stood out for me in uh, the, the very interesting work you've done in the military and in New York <clears throat> is you say you were the uh, chief liaison officer for the Javits Hospital mission last year. And I'd like to hear more about that, but I also just wanted to ask you about uh, – you say they're serving in support of uh, the Operation Gotham Shield, uh, the Javits Vaccine Center. So – I hadn't heard that phrase, Operation Gotham Shield. I liked it. It's got some New York stuff. It sounds a little super heroic. And when I put it into Google, I see that that was the 2017 Operation FEMA conducted about a uh, hypothetical or a simulated uh, nuclear attack in the New York metropolitan area uh, that then generated some conspiracy theories and and, and so on. So I, I did want to ask you about that and, of course, about your work at Javits.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I I can't speak to what prior names uh, FEMA has used for other missions. I mean, this is this is called Operation Gotham Shield, and if if you want, I can step away from my computer, which is on the other on the other side of the room, in my ID badge. Okay, uh, I'd that's love that's to
1: see that, but, but just because when I Google this, there's almost nothing about that this year. So I was I was honestly uh, just can, intrigued. Can I walk ten feet across the room? Of course. Okay. <laughs> and is shall I read that into the record?
0: <laughs> sure.
2: <laughs> let, let the record reflect, I'm holding up an ID badge uh, that says Operation ja- uh, Gotham Shield. I'm actually, I, I kind of orchestrated this the fall during my lunch break, so after this video uh, is over, I'm going to have to put back on my fatigues and double back to the Javits Center without a block
0: away right now. So getting to Manhattan, D.A., and why you are running for it. So you currently live in Staten Island. How much time do you actually spend in Manhattan?
2: I don't live in. I've never lived in. Canada.
0: Oh, I'm uh, sorry. I have that wrong.
2: Yeah, no, that's okay. And actually, for the the better part of the last year, um, I'm actually living in Chelsea on 34th Street. Um, I lived in Manhattan for most of my career. When uh, we now have three little kids, um, I have a 20 year old that I raised in the city. So a couple of years ago, we did uh, move out to Nassau family And also, in part, to accommodate my wife's career. But I've been stationed since I came on this mission here in Manhattan. Um, that's where I'm talking to you from now. And I'm going to hut some yards out the window. And, and look, obviously, if this election is successful, which I anticipate it will be, then I have to uh, find uh, my, my residence in Manhattan, will be ongoing.
0: A couple of things, just like particular to Manhattan. Cy Vance just uh, decided that he was no longer prosecuting uh, arrest made for prostitution and uh but it would continue in some cases with prosecuting arrests made for patronage what do you think about that policy as it's you know legislation is slow to back it up uh except the walking wall trans bill that was just overturned but what is your stance on keeping that policy if you were to occupy the office of manhattan da if i was
2: off I- occupy the office of manhattan da um the way I view the, the role of a district attorney, and I think the only way that, that the role of a district attorney can fairly be viewed, is that your job is to uphold and prosecute the law. Um, so I don't agree with Cy Vance making the unilateral decision that he's going to basically legislate by proxy and stop prosecuting uh, prosecution arrests. I, I don't I don't agree with it from a, uh, a legal procedural standpoint. I think it touches on separation of powers and so forth. Um, and I don't agree with any concept either. Um, I think that uh, there are there is a lot of very dark criminal activity that is connected with prostitution. Much of it, maybe perhaps even the majority of it, comes from the demand created by those that frequent prostitutes and they should certainly be held accountable. Uh, and those that promote the prostitution meaning not actually not always the person who is actually participating in the act if you will um but but you know prostitution fuels uh, a market for for human and sex trafficking there's no question about that actually under the Obama administration that was probably the most uh preeminent issue that uh, the AG AG holder and the Obama administration focused on um it it Supports organized crime. It supports uh, drug trafficking. Um, a, a lot of really bad things, including of children. It, it, my only point is now: look, if the legislature in Albany wants to change the law to have controlled, uh, legalized, regulated prostitution, uh, yeah, look, I have no dog in that office. District attorney, I don't control that. I, I there's probably pros and cons to the argument. And frankly, I don't know what side I fall on. Um, I'm not running the legislature. But to the extent that we're going to not prosecute prostitution, that's how it should happen, uh, not, not by fiat.
0: I guess this leads me to the next question where we would talk about, you know, diversion courts, which some people discussed before the decriminalization movement became so prevalent in New York, diversion courts um, for crimes such as prostitution. We already have them for drug crimes, crimes related to chemical dependency, even crimes that are of a violent nature, even robbery, things like that are often in the case of chemical dependency Re- redirected to a diversion court and there are rehab facilities set up and an infrastructure uh, that has moved somewhat quickly as a result of the opioid crisis where are you on using that kind of infrastructure to address things like uh, arrest of the mentally ill prostitution if you wouldn't obviously continue the policy of scivans to not prosecute prostitution
2: yeah I'm all for it um not only am all am I all for it I- myself, of it, or my clients of it, in,
0: in a variety of
2: situations—probably every which one you just mentioned. Um, not only that, I was—I was, uh, I, I helped advise the Manhattan District Attorney's office, uh, along with the uh, uh, the New York State Department of uh, called Veterans Advocacy. I know the attorney who headed it up, actually, I know the attorney now who heads it up—it's a state-funded office—in establishing Manhattan's Veterans Court. We're a little bit, beyond, and that's something that's obviously to hold very dearly as a veteran um and we were a little bit behind the other boroughs and even long island i'm getting that off the ground and i, and I, I just wanted to that I applaud uh cy vance for uh i applaud trish bailey she was uh, one of the supervisors that that's uh in the special litigation bureau that was involved in that her and i had a uh, a close relationship um when i was giving her the perspective of one what might lead many veterans to come into contact with the criminal justice system uh and two the sort of things that serves in the military might have as a collateral consequence that would uh, impair, impair their ability to continue to serve. I, yeah, I'm all for uh, diversionary sentences for, for, for women, uh, people, whoever, uh, men and women that, that uh, could that, that wind up turning to prostitution for whatever reasons, whether it be narcotics uh, or, or whatever else, um, but there's a difference between saying, hey, we're, we're going to when you say I'm in favor of prosecuting someone, you know, that doesn't mean that I'm some nutshot Republican. I want to you know, prosecute everyone and put them in jail. Prosecution could mean uh, taking the case, getting them in an educational program, a rehabilitative program, uh, the case ending in a full blown dismissal so they have no collateral consequences. In fact, it can and does mean that. Um, but just simply turning a blind eye to it is, to me, something quite different. I don't think it's appropriate in the case of prostitution. I certainly don't think it's, and and I don't think it's appropriate without a legislative mandate.
0: So you just touched on this. Um, Many of the Democrats are talking about crimes they would not prosecute. Why do you think that is? And what exactly do you think is wrong with that approach?
2: Why I think it is, I I don't know. Um, I, I think you know, and it's very frustrating for me to hear some of those people who I know have been around a long time. And I know or, or know that they have to know how misguided some of the things they're saying. is. I think there's a couple in the field that just really have, they're talking the talk, but they've never walked the walk and really haven't spent any time in the criminal justice system. And they're, they're probably doing it. under some sort of misguided uh, ignorance. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's very frustrating. Again, that, that does go back to where we started and why I got into this.
0: Let me just ask. So it- a lot of them have um, experience from the other side, defense attorneys, and a lot of them do have experience in the criminal justice system. So when you say misguided ignorance, I just want to what are you um, positioning yourself against in that uh, in that way of creating policy? So you touched on it a bit in the answer about Cy Vance and what he's been doing. I just want you to elaborate on your feelings about the expansion of and the use of power in the Manhattan DA's office that way, particularly in this time post COVID when we're facing so many challenges.
2: All right. So, so look, here's an example. Alvin Bragg I think uh, is one of a few um, who who clearly has some experience um, who is in favor of not prosecuting thefts under $250. Okay. And you just brought up, Post-pandemic trying to get New York City to emerge. Now, if if you look in that, if you look at that policy in a boots on the ground standpoint, okay, one bail reform automatically uh prohibits judges from setting bail for people who commit theft-related crimes. It doesn't matter if it's uh two dollars and fifty cents, two hundred and fifty dollars, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. It doesn't matter if they're repeat offenders, it doesn't matter how many times they warranted, they can't do it. So let's take, for instance, somebody who is somehow managed just a retailer who's managed to survive this pandemic in New York City. The corner bodegas that we all love and frequent, uh, a, a retailer of, I guess, you know, ordinary price clothing, uh, where a shirt like this might cost $40 or $50. What that policy would mean is that if those businesses are gonna continue to choose New York as the place to try to make a living, as opposed to Raleigh or, or Florida or wherever else everybody seems to be, many people we seem to be fleeing to, they're going to have to endure the reality that the same that either multiple offenders could could rob from them every day. Um, you know, it sounds silly, but a high theft item in corner stores is actually those little Ben and Jerry pints of ice cream that go for five, six dollars. that I, I, know I love them. Um because there's a big resale value. They can they can rob three, four, or five of those and then sell them to, to someone else for three dollars each one's another store and it goes on and on. So that means that 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 person who may only make two hundred fifty dollars in profit that day or may not make any profit at all, will have to endure repeat larcenies. Um, and, you know, you really don't at that point, the bail issue becomes mo- moot because it, according to some of the more extreme candidates like Mr. Bread, I mean, they wouldn't even be arrested in the first place. They wouldn't even be prosecuted.
0: It's funny um, because they uh, the. A lot of our Democratic candidates that have spoken to us bring up the candy bar analogy. And this is sort of the ice cream analogy, which this question isn't on my list, but leads me to uh, wonder how the Manhattan DA would deal with that when it comes to juveniles. And I know that there's a robust infrastructure set up that isn't always used, but for juvenile, like keeping juveniles out of uh, Rikers for such offenses like theft of things under $250. They say candy bars, you say ice cream.
2: Well, but but again, so when I said, you know, willful ignorance before, that's part of what I'm alluding to. I'm not here to disparage other people. I mean, I may be disparaging their policies to some extent, but there's a lot of, there's a false narrative, right? So I think Eliza Orland is one of the candidates that wants to scream about candy bars and the cruelness of the criminal justice system. Juvenile offenders nor adult offenders either certainly not now but even pre-bail reform did not go to rikers island for stealing candy bars or stealing ben and jerry's pints of ice cream or any of that it simply did not happen it, it is an utter myth and talk to anyone who doesn't have a political bone in in in, in play here um that has practiced in, practice in new york city and even is being honest and practiced in, practice in the new york city criminal justice system for more than five minutes they will tell you that never happened all right what, ha- what happened? Certainly now, but but even then, if you charge with a petty larceny in New York City, and whether it's two dollars and fifty cents or two hundred and fifty dollars, you get an ACD. All right, what, what an ACD means stands for adjournment, contemplation, and dismissal. The case gets shelved for six months, and as long as during that six month period you have no arrests, it gets dismissed and sealed, no questions asked. Now. If your pet at larceny was more than a few dollars and maybe it was a few hundred, maybe they tap on a day of community service for that. Not a bad thing, right? I mean, part of the criminal justice system is to, to try to reform and punish within reason. And the city gets a couple of free days of uh someone cleaning up a park or what have you. So this you know, sensationalized uh false narrative that Rikers Island was populated with, with low-level uh nonviolent larceny or marijuana cases, it's just not true. So I, I can't, you know, I, I can't speak to what I know is, or can't detain what I know is false and, and what almost anyone, again, people who don't work in the criminal justice, you're not going to know this, right? How could you? Same way I can't opine on what goes on in the uh, in a hospital. Um,
0: I think that, I probably, I probably think there would be a few yeah. like public defenders and some advocates that might push back on that narrative, yeah. uh, citing well, people like Khalif Broder and... It,
2: it, it, Khalid, Khalid or was not there for stealing a candy bar. I, look, I'm not, you know, right. this is not to say, all right, because I, I'm sure there will be people who will try to recap everything i say and Have at it. Get, get in a box next to me like we are now, and, and trust me, I'll, I'll have all the answers to them um, because I'm, I'm speaking with, with the, the truth. No one is saying, though, by the way, just so, so we're, we're clear here, uh, you know, the criminal justice system is not perfect. Uh, there, there's always things that could be done better. Um, there's always cases of extreme injustice. That, that, that's what I've spent fifteen years of uh, the last fifteen years of my career fighting against. Um, and by the way, not all my clients are wealthy uh, people that can hire criminal fancy criminal defense attorneys. I've been on the ATB panel um, since I started practicing defense law. Um, the ATB panel, tragically, uh, in a city like New York, pays sixty dollars an hour for misdemeanor work and seventy-five dollars for major felonies including homicides which i'm on all right so so it's basically uh pseudo uh, pro bono work um but i've done that and i oh, frankly always look at it as my way of getting back and representing people that otherwise couldn't afford to hire me um so i know what the rights uh, of uh the less fortunate are and how they can be tested and how and how a how our system or even the most perfect system can sometimes rough, uh, uh, run run rough trot over the, over them um and as district attorney that's why if you actually look at my website much of a great part of my platform has has to do with things like rehabilitation over incarceration
0: mental health is
2: something that that i've been involved in since the get-go i've represented some very high profile cases where uh defendants suffering from from debilitating uh psychiatric disorders um i've seen how our system fails uh, people with mental health issues. Um, and I actually have a plan to to try to deal with that. So, you know, I, I'm happy to talk about all the things we could do better. I mean, you know, in, in life, you should never be content with the status quo. There's, a, there's always ways to make things better. There's a difference between trying to make things better and then just say, oh, I'm going to throw the baby out with bathwater. border. We're just not going to prosecute huge swaths of of crime that that create public safety issues, quality of life issues, and so forth.
0: Um, I uh, have one last question and then I will let you go. Um, I think this is already quite longer than I, I promised your are Probably because
2: of my long-winded answers. I, <laughs> I <apologize>. you got to give me more aggressive, cutting me off like they do on TV.
0: Um, so uh, basically the last question is with, with sure. uh, prosecuting, you see in Queens they released a list of unreliable uh, New York City police officers when it comes to testimony. And would you release a similar list and also how closely would you vet some of that type of corruption in your, in your cases that involved New York city police officers?
2: The the answer is very aggressively. Uh, if you're a corrupt, dishonest police officer and you think you're going to have a friend in my administration, I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Um, I have spent the last decade and a half, um, Fighting against not only corrupt police officers, but police officers who don't follow the Constitution. I've gotten guns suppressed. I've gotten drugs tossed. And I make no apologies for it. If a police officer, if the only way a police officer can bring a case is by violating someone's constitutional rights, then that case should either not be brought or that evidence should be suppressed. But specifically...
0: Specifically, would you release lists on unreliable officers and go after the convictions that hinged on their testimony?
2: I, I, I Look, I, I think that I would expose uh, um, any situation where an officer is known to engage in perjury on a witness stand, um, whether it, I know it now or we find out retroactively. I mean, that, that's a, an essential Brady disclosure, whether I whether I call it a list of unreliable police officers, or whether we'd have some other name for it, I, that I don't know. I haven't seen DAs actually listed themselves, but I believe in open file discovery. I think that we've pretty much gotten there with one of the good things that I think was done in the crime reforms has been the, the uh, most of the discovery reforms that I, I agree with, uh, the bail reform I, I disagree with, um, and, and calling attention to police officer misconduct, whether it's misconduct on the street or misconduct under oath, um is absolutely essential and as, as a district attorney as a, a one that really cares about justice we have an interest in disclosing that i think you alluded to it the last thing you want to do is put all the work into securing a conviction conducting a jury trial and so forth and then you find out because you didn't turn over to the defense that the officer may have lied during the course of his testimony in a dwi case or whatever 10 years ago now everything goes to hell um, and you're up on appeal and you might lose the conviction that, that is not, everything I'm going to do is based, first and foremost will be based on making this a safe city again, making this city safe because, you know, forg- forgive what may sound hyperbolic, um, I truly believe that if one of the more extreme Democrats, and, and there are several to choose from that are looking to run against me, are elected on November 2nd, we will lose this city. We, we will lose the city. There's just no way things are, hanging on a cliff as they are and and you know to have someone in there who doesn't believe in prosecuting crime and believes in, in defunding police um th- I, there's just no way we can come back from this i truly believe that um so it, it's it's putting the, the public safety first but it's also as anyone who's willing to look and see in my platform it, it's a lot of common sense justice measures as i i am running on the republican ticket i don't apologize for it but as a Republican with, with libertarian instincts, is how I describe myself. The last thing I want to do is spend fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year incarcerating someone who doesn't need incarcerating, be it on a low-level drug offense or someone who maybe has committed a more serious offense, but obviously demonstrates the ability for rehabilitation. That that's public safety first, that second.
0: All right. Well, I think that's uh all the time we have. Thank you for coming on as the lone uh, Republican candidate for Manhattan D.A., and I'm sure we're going to be seeing more of you uh, both before June 22nd and after. Um, and again, thank you very much for coming on the show.
2: Thanks, thanks very much for having me and hearing me out. It's been a real pleasure. News.
0: News. 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 news, news. New York City.
1: The FAQ NYC podcast is getting more and more interesting by the minute. <laughs>
2: F.A.Q. F.A.Q.